All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. I am your host, your nickname list host, Bryce. Uh, we just uh, we're, were talking before the show that I need a nickname because I'm joined by Pizza Mind, who, who's got a whole character of himself. We've got TiVo, who's our producer here. Say what's up, TiVo. Oh, hey, what's up, guys? My first uh, podcast voice. How we doing? <laughs> You've been acknowledged to the pod. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we're also joined today by Gunny. Gunny, a.k.a. Dan Gunsberg, who's the, the co-founder uh, and CEO of Hero, um, which is an awesome on-chain options trading platform, along with many other things. So, so Dan, welcome to the show. Dan, a.k.a. Gunny. Yeah, thanks for having me on and glad we can finally do this. I think we may have had one or two reschedules on it, but uh, no better time yeah. than the present. Hey, so. No better time than the present. Uh, actually, like period. literally any time Very is better chaotic. than the present for all that, the actually, that is that we are going through. Right now. Now. <laughs> <laughs> but finally, we've all just given up on like trying to like now. support everything. You're like, oh, fuck it. All right, let's just do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's been a hell of a week, man. And, huh. and from your perspective, just let's just kind of just jump into it. Instead of getting your background, you've got a trading background, you've built companies in the past, all that kind of stuff. Let's just kind of dive into the moment. Uh, FTX just collapsed. Nobody saw this coming. Hero was pretty affiliated with FTX in a sense. Let, let's talk about yeah. the the affiliation and kind of what was going on from your perspective. Yeah, sure. So it, I'll address the affiliation part first. So the foundation and the DeFi derivatives protocol project, you know, that we've been working on for the better part of a year now, um, that is com- was completely disassociated with. That had nothing to do with FTX. Alameda had a small, you know, they small participation in a strategic round, and it was more because we in that round there was you know a lot of market makers and professional trading firms, and obviously you know prior to a couple of weeks ago, people thought the world of <laughs> these firms, and you know who, who would know. So they they just had a small you know, small stake, small position in the token market with it. And the platform that uh, was the genesis of Hero, which started out as Hero.io, you know, which is the one that has the paramutual markets and the ticks and wicks options. So when we did the ticks and wicks options markets, which we started in late 2020, we, you know, at the time FTX was really on the rise we had known we had known the guys um, really since like 2019, and we were kind of thinking strategically, like, okay, if we do this on our own and it's successful, we're going to end up competing with the likes of FTX or you know some of the bigger uh, established exchanges. So maybe it's a smarter move to work collaboratively early. And form a partnership that these guys are kind of going beginning to go parabolic and it made a ton of business sense for us because we were obviously uh, much smaller at the time and so we approached them and ended up doing a partnership where effectively um, we built some bridging technology between uh, where if you were an ftx account holder that you could quickly move your funds over to hero.trade 
and then participate in these Tix-Wix markets, of which Alameda is also the primary market maker, too. So, um, or the primary liquidity provider. And that was all done like on an RFQ model. And that's how the relationship, uh, you know, existed. So when all of this, you know, kind of went down, fortunately, about three weeks, two or three weeks prior, we actually had our user base take their funds off of FTX. So in, in the, in, for no other reason than it was coincidence that uh, we were doing a maintenance. The, that platform, which was formerly known as Hero.Trade, is being relaunched um, at the beginning of December as a new, at, under a new full rebrand. Like we're Because we want to separate out. There's a lot of confusion, obviously, between the DeFi project yeah. being Hero Network and then Hero.Trade. And, uh, which, you know, initially we thought, well, hey, they should all kind of share because eventually hero.trade will become a, an app on top of it. But it, that was not, I don't think that was the best move from a marketing perspective for us in, in hindsight, but they are completely disassociated entities and, and, and projects. So, yeah, so that is being renamed. I, I don't want to give the name away yet. But um, <laughs> it's going to be rolled out in, in the next week. Uh, there's going to be like a, a kind of a brand reveal and, you know, some, some nice. build up to it, which will be exciting. And so fortunately, we had, you know, most of the users took their funds off. Not not everybody, but most of them. And yeah. uh, so it kind of stayed out of harm's way there. That platform ended up having some funds of its own, you know, treasury funds on it, on FTX. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it had, had some FTT and some, you know, some cash and uh it's been owed you know it was owed some receivables and stuff like that so got a little dinged up in that way but so that was really aggravating and and i can just tell you just from somebody that you know had a business relationship with them this felt like the the madoff moment for crypto and it extremely surreal and painful to deal with uh a sucker punch to the gonads oh my god like beyond like sucker punch with a curb stomp and, uh, you know, everything else. And it really, you know, I, I mean, I've been, I've been in financial markets for 28 years and I was on the floor of the board. You guys know my background by now, board of trade. And yeah. I've dealt with the drugs of the earth and, and dealt with people with very high moral standards on the other side. And like, you just, this, it felt like this was the last group. Like you knew they ran wild and ran loose, but like, I think the industry and everybody around it kind of took it as like, well, this is just kind of what the new world is. And it is this like, super fast moving break shit type of type of world and the validation that they got from investors and the rounds that they were doing and how quick checks were being written and everything it like i think it put everybody's guard down including you know you know many ways including ours and you know it's been it's been really tough it's brought up a lot of emotions that i didn't ever expect i would have about about um them and and you know, and now we're just working through making sure that, you know, fortunately, like our customer segregated funds were, were completely separate from there. And there was a, a very small amount of, of customers that had some, some, what I would say is immaterial amounts of, of kind of dust, like people that just didn't move their funds off of there when we sent emails back in October to do yeah. it. Uh, and, you know, so we're, we're just making those guys whole. It's a, I mean, it's a tiny amount of money and moving on. And the last thing that I'll say on this 
is it's super ironic that, well, I'll say two things. One is fortunately the, the foundation did not, you know, because it was not tied with FTX at all or Alameda for that matter, didn't, you know, it, it, it had some very small amount of funds that was, that were with a small market maker, um, that were on FTX.com. And so those obviously are now stuck in the bankruptcy and, um, but it, it was immaterial in terms of the runway for foundation. And so fortunately, like that project is just moving as if nothing happened, um, wow. moving forward. And so that, and then secondly, is what's crazy is I, I was in Lisbon and I gave a keynote speech on the case for on-chain derivatives at Solana Breakpoint. I gave a keynote speech and the, the first seven minutes of it, like the, the, the main thread and the main argument was that in traditional finance, and in centralized finance, there exists a complete lack of transparency. Like everything today still operates in a black hole. And, you know, I, I think ultimately this whole, this whole event is not about crypto so much as it is about just dealing with the same bullshit that exists in the traditional space that we're supposed to be solving. And I think we've gotten away from those principles and it's time that the industry really gets back to them. Yeah, I would have to say if anyone's building something that isn't trustless, like you're kind of missing the point of crypto. Yeah. One guy who did not operate in a trustless environment doesn't represent crypto either. So right. even right. though it is extremely painful right now, it's better to have this flushed out now. Like Bryce and I have been talking about this for you know several days. At least it happens now when they're you know a $40 billion company as opposed to a $4 trillion company. Yes which very, very well could have happened if mm -hmm. FTX Ventures had been able to reach the point of maturity with all the different things they've invested in. They were trying um, to become like yeah. a gold a Goldman Sachs meets New York Stock Exchange meets and they CME. Would have. Sam Bankman said he was going to buy Goldman Sachs. He literally floated that at one of these uh, conferences. He's like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we bought Goldman. And I'm like, dude, that's insane. And for, from my vantage point, I'm like, was he just a serial scammer? Was he truly, were they truly the smartest people in the room? Like, how did they fool everybody? Like, I have so many questions about like them as, as characters and, and they're still out. Like, you know, none of them are arrested. I mean, they're, they're, they're still out there and there's it's, billions of dollars missing. I can't. The misrepresentations they must have. Been I can't making. tell it. I, my first thought was Alameda must have gotten rinsed around Terra Luna. Right. I think that's where a lot of the cancer cells started to exponentially metastasize yeah. or was it, was it in the cards all along? And there's I a just, lot of rumors that Alameda caused the Terra Luna collapse. Yeah. I, I have a hard time buying into rumor, which, which rumors, which also when this happened, your, my first thing was like, there's, you know, there's so much FUD. There's so much BS. There's so much flexing going on in this space. It's a bear market. Everybody's salty. I've been through, yeah, you know, a few of these now. This is just another thing that's getting blown out of proportion, and it'll, it'll. Uh, and and, you know, and one of the so things fun. that, like, I think about, like, for instance, with a platform like Hero, where it's a decentralized derivatives exchange, meaning you, you know, users typically interact with the platform. And they own their own keys, they own their own crypto, and you can never have this sort of like, you know, custodian 
that's yeah. rehypothecating user funds in a decentralized way. And so this really does like make the case for Hero and DeFi more broadly. Would you say that's fair? A hundred percent. It it emboldens the case so much more. And you know, a couple of the big trading firms that we're partners with, like when this was all happening, obviously I was getting on the phone with everybody as fast as I could. They they're everybody's attitude was, look, the silver lining in this is it just emboldens the case for DeFi. This is why we're here. Like we didn't come yeah. here. They didn't come to crypto to get involved with another centralized exchange. Like, you know, if you're, a, if you're a, if you're jump trading or you're Susquehanna, you're some, you know, CT, some big firm, you're already dealing with these well entrenched incumbents. They're here and they're making allocations to the space to be basically a part of this experiment. Like, can we create this new, alternative lane for DeFi within the context of the derivative space within the spot, you know, within the spot world, just across the board. And they're not here to just basically trade and make markets on another centralized exchange. It, and, it, and it's kind of what's happened, unfortunately. And so I think it's been a real wake up call for everybody to kind of get back to the principles of why we're here. And it, and it, it does embolden the case for why we're building on-chain derivatives with Hero, and it does embolden the case for why DeFi needs to exist. And I think without this happening, you know, you still had other things to deal with that were part of the part of just the way things work. It's you know, it did have this free market aspect to it that okay, like you tested out like I, I always thought algo, algo stablecoins were were just like time bombs to begin with. Um, but when they, when they blew up, at least they, they blew up in a kind of a free market way and you had some bad actors that were doing bad things with it, but maybe we have to ask ourselves like, and I'm not hundred percent not supporting this. It makes me sick. Like the whole thing with Terra Luna is disgusting and three arrows and everything, but maybe this is what a free market is. And you do have to go through these like boom periods and these bust periods and, you know, what's that, what's that mean? Fuck around and find out, <laughs> you know, like where, yeah, where yeah. do things fall in the fuck around and find out spectrum. And, and maybe this is part of it. And the reason that some of the reward exists in the space and like the volatility is here and the upside is there is because of the risk that you take as a, you know, as a, as a lab rat in this, uh, you know, in this sometimes Petri dish, <laughs> And, I mean, risk um, and reward are two two different sides of the same exact coin, right? Right. You can't but out have of one it, without the other. Right. But out of it comes innovation. Mm. It's, it's shrouded in bad things and people taking advantage of it and scams and all this other stuff, which is awful. But yeah, like when you when you peel back the layers of that, there's there's some really cool stuff that you can take away and figure out how that can apply and and merge with elements that exist in the, in the centralized world and, you know, try to make those solves in a decentralized, disintermediate and dispersed way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, someone who really, really understands trading and market making like yourself, I, I've got a, a crazy theory that I just want to throw out there. And I want you to tell me the likelihood of, you know, one being, you know, I should fire myself from the show and 10 being like, I should you know, give myself my own show. Uh, 
we're trying to figure out how did Alameda lose? Because they've got no liquidation point on FTX. They've got all the data, uh, so much more than the people they're trading against. Was it just, you know, gross mismanagement where there's nobody at the desk? Or were they just receiving a ton of toxic flow? Maybe from a couple participants that had the exact same data because it was them just personally trading Sam Tribuco and Sam Bakeman Freed versus Alameda and laundering money technically legally through this market maker system until the market maker had nothing left and the people on the other side of the trade were billionaires. What's the likelihood of Jesus. that scenario being the truth? Go ahead, Bryce. Sorry. Were you going to say something? I was just going to say, uh, it's crazy that the Democrats also ended up with so many donations from these characters. <laughs> yeah, and maybe ultimately from our money, you know, from the people's money, yeah, from client funds. Exactly. And they weren't um, the only ones. There were Republican donations too, but just orders of magnitude less. So they're playing both sides. Yeah. Okay. I do not want to be in the business of speculating, uh, first of all. Um, I don't, you know, to... I am a believer in, uh, you know, innocent until proven guilty. <laughs> um, but likewise. Yeah. And, um, but if I had to price a, a probability or a, like a binary on it, what on your theory, I would say it probably has gone bid. You know, it's, it's probably greater than like a teeny option at this point. Mm -hmm. It, it's definitely plausible that something like that could have happened. Especially, you know, it without knowing what level of control, like, did they have a separate risk department that who was, you know, under a separate key fob that was whose job it was, was to be this independent risk team, making sure that even and I don't even mean between the Chinese wall or lack thereof between Alameda and FTX, but just within Alameda, like good, good practices in a, in a proprietary trading firm of that size. Yeah. You would have a risk department that was literally like on a separate floor from the traders mm -hmm. from the trading floor that was under a separate key fob that had pretty much their own systems and whose job it was, was to protect the firm at all costs. Like I would, they I don't know enough about that. the internet. They definitely didn't have that. And you'd think like <laughs> for the size and scope that they were, that they would have something like that. But And all their investors that would, you know, you would think that this guy, Sam Bankman-Fried would have so many mentors who said, dude, you got to get a board of directors for your, for your $32 billion exchange. You got to get a board, dude. Yeah. And, and the, everybody who threw money in behind him is just as guilty, right? Because they said like, Hey, we're going to give you all this money. Without a board, without oversight, without all these glaring red flags, people got so caught up in the cult. I mean, people uh, are writing Silicon they were, Valley made them out to be. Yeah, like I, I think with those, like once they got outside of just the crypto context, like crypto, it's just it's always been this thing where you know when, when you're in a bull market, people are like, especially in a zero interest rate environment, like we're just <laughs> we lose our minds. Raining. Everybody loses their minds, and like there's just too much cash to go around, and they're just like writing checks. Like I mean, when we did our first deal with Sam. It was like we got on, you know, we got on a call and we talked for an hour and he thought about what he wanted to do. And he then just said, 
okay, well, I want to do this much, but it's going to probably eat up too much of your token supply. So, you know, what if we do this much? And I was like, okay. And then he's like, okay, send me an address. And it was like, click. Wow. Had the money. Like, that's what was going on. And it was interesting at the time because when you think about it, it was like, well, okay, maybe this is like a new way to do business, like less friction. It just makes a lot more sense. And it was, it was pretty shocking to, to us. And, uh, but on the other side, we thought, like, well, there's real game theory there. Like this is a small industry. And if some, one person fucks the other one, like there's going to be like, you're, you're basically going to get blacklisted. And so maybe that's the way that things like should work. And like part of that was <laughs> part of that, I think perpetuated. Like if I was thinking that I'm sure a million others were thinking that, and it, it did kick off this wildfire of like people, you know, if, if you weren't, if you weren't doing a deal and and had a check written by the time you walked out of the first meeting, like you were slow and you were behind the curve. And I think all of that perpetuated this. And then the, the only other thing that I'm going to say kind of, you know, back to the, the point of like what was going on with an Alameda, like number one, like none of us know, like hopefully it'll come out eventually. But when I think about how fast this thing went parabolic and then, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it wasn't like up, you know, like usually there's that trading thing, like the trading uh, metaphor of like, you know, floats up like a bird and then shits like an elephant. And <laughs> this like this went up like like a like a missile. <laughs> and then like and down like one, too. And then down like and then down like a missile. Yes. With actually the missile was still had uh, rocket fuel in it and was like going at <laughs> Mach 17 when it was hitting the hitting the ocean. And like, um. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. 
Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The, the, like, how could you grow that big and expect, like, your operations to even remotely keep up? And, like, at, at so some foolish. point, yeah, at some point between the beginning and, you know, and when, like, it really started to hit that inflection point, you would think they would have just said, like, let's invest in middle and back office. Like, let's let's get, like, SaaS compliant. <laughs> let's, like, do a, right. you know, like, let's become middle and back office. Like, if we're really going to become Goldman Goldman Sachs, like, we should we should act like Goldman Sachs. And they and they it's not like they were a little startup that didn't have the funds to do it. No. Which that's the thing that brings in question. It's like if I get it, if you're a startup and you had like, you know, you you got 18 to 24 months of burn left, like you're not you're not investing. Yeah, put in it all on black. Stuff. Go for it. That's what <laughs> right, which is as a startup sometimes that's you know what they encourage you to do. Yeah. So he was stringing along pension funds. He was stringing dude, along the so Singaporean sovereign hurt. wealth fund. Tomasic, this is another yeah. level. It, I, I, the thing that is so hard. Like, They're going to make a movie about this for sure. Oh, well, you, yeah, you know, Michael Lewis was, was following him for the last six months, right? Yeah. I know he was trying to write a book about him. He was. And then he is that ending's going to change. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he got his <laughs> ending, right? He, he probably didn't have yeah. one. This is like, this is what perpetuated it. So. I, apparently, um, yeah, Michael Lewis was there, and then Ben Miserec was apparently in uh, mm. in the Bahamas for the last couple months too. He was the very first uh, podcast guest that we interviewed when we when we took over Crypto One Hundred and One. Oh, when he was writing Bitcoin Billionaires over the Winklevoss twins, everybody should check that out. That had to been pretty fascinating, yeah. huh? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, I, look, at, I I mean, we this is the closest to the sun that I've ever been on something like this, and like. Thankfully, it's still considerably arm's length, and you know, and like we got, we got as bamboozled as everybody, and it's, uh, it hurts, and it, you know, and like I said, I mean, almost thirty years in trading, and you know, I've been crypto technically since twenty fifteen. Like, it's, it's just it, this is as bad as it gets. As bad, bad as it gets, as, bad as, as big as it, as it gets. So we can get through it's this. Definitely not um, a high five moment, but you know, you survived. You, you did what yes. you had to do before all this happened to survive. And, you know, for that, you know, there is like some congratulations in order. It's more Thank like a, a somber hug than a high five, but because you knew what you were doing, you weren't all in one place or one company or, mm-hmm. or anything. The, well, and the even then, question, like, yeah. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to no say, worries. you know, the, the real question now is, you know, what happens to Solana long-term because they kind of were, mm. they kind of were, I don't want to say all FTX. You know, I also was at Solana Breakpoint, and I was very pleased to see there was a lot more than just FTX there. There's the Rockaway guys uh, and several others that, you know, really, really believe in this tech long term uh, that are building on here. Do you think Solana yeah. is going to be just fine in the long term or are you guys considering jumping chains? Like, where is the state of Solana now? That's a that's a great question. And um, I probably get that question more than I get. Hero, because people here, okay, like, you know, Hero's got, still has its two plus, you know, two plus years of runway and everything's fine there. I can say that a few days ago, I was worried that Solana was like, obviously CZ, you know, made his move on, on Sam. And then you started to, and very Machiavellian, right? 
it was like, it wasn't like, Hey, we're going to just try to like knock a leg out. This was like, you're going to do this and you're going to incinerate the village while you're at it. And then didn't he also delist uh, Solana stable coins from Binance? They did. They did for a minute. Um, I, I do. Th- I'm not sure, but I think it's back up. I don't, I don't deal with Binance okay. directly. So, and then Bybit, I know, you know, and then OKX and it was all the, it was, you know, felt like a proxy war a little bit to be honest, but, but they, uh, they ended up, uh, taking those down and I was like, oh man, like now they're going to make a move. And if they're a validator, like, are they going to try to do some like majority, you know, 66% attack on the Solana blockchain? And I don't think any of that is happening right now, but, um, we're, you know, we're staying very cautious. The community is still building. It's not like I haven't seen people jumping ship on it. And I think it's just going to be time. Like, I, re- I am remaining very positive on Solana because, and, and to answer the question, like, we are not looking to move at all uh, right now. I, I do think, you know, crypto is going to end up in a multi-chain world. And, you know, with things like Wormhole and Layer Zero and um, mm-hmm. bridges like that, as they become hardened, you're going to just see the op- I think this next chapter is going to see the obfuscation of, of the, of the plumbing more. And we've always thought about hero, like the, the real power of the, of the network is really in its risk engine. And with the ability to quickly move cross chain, you still do need an extremely fast blockchain to work on, um, you know, to build on top of and Solana is still the far and away the number one choice to facilitate that in, you know, in our view. And then on top of that, um, I'm sure you guys saw the fire dancer presentation. Um, yeah. That heard about it. Bowers came. Yeah. You know, and that that's, it's teams like that, that are entrenched in the Solana ecosystem that continue to give me confidence that it is going to evolve to what it needs to be in terms of, hardening itself and you know can they get to a million like a million tps is insane it's they're like are are they really going to be able to unlock a blockchain that can like start approaching you know maybe not the speed of light like they are in the traditional space but um, (laughs) but getting down into real low latency uh in terms of messaging and i i do think it's going to happen. And I think that you probably have the number one team on the planet working on that right now. And that, and they're in the salon and they're in Solana. And so, mm. you know, if, if everybody, if, if teams like that were jumping ship and saying like, Hey, we're out of here, maybe my attitude changes a little bit, but you know, it's teams like that teams like ours that, that, you know, that come from largely from a traditional space and have really deep domain expertise in what we're doing, like kind of, you know, people that really have their game face. They didn't, they didn't come here to try to come up with a, you know, a quick strategy to make, to make money and leave. Like we just trying to build something real substantive because we've dealt with the friction points in the traditional space and are trying to unlock those or create an alternative solution. Yeah. And very ethos driven. Very much. Yeah. Very much. And fundamentally, like, so the fundamentals of Solana still look strong. And this is kind of like, 
you know, a silver lining of the, of the massive gray clouds, but the, uh, I'd imagine there's a bunch of supply that just got locked up in, in FTX. I know multi-coin there, there's like a huge yeah. supply shock, right. With all these funds basically losing access to their coins. And so if there's not a lot of access to coins, there's not a lot of coins to put up on offer and sell it might be good for price. Um, of course, think, nothing's I, financial advice. For the next few years, on the show. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. For the next few years, there's the definitely a lot that that's locked up, and um, you know, I think I think these proceed the beginning of these proceedings will move relatively quickly, and then when you kind of get to the the seventh inning of it, it will it will be very long tailed, and you're probably looking at you know, if I had to put a market on it, I would say like highest probability is like the mean is probably five years. Yeah. There was another team I met over there that um, we're trying to, they're building a layer two on top of Solana, not for throughput, but for quickness. So you can have on-chain order books and market makers and all this stuff that's needed in DeFi just to be so much quicker. And with something like that coming to Solana, uh, I haven't really seen anything else that could compete with it. Like maybe injective protocol over in Cosmos, but you know, wait until they go head to head. We'll see which one is actually able to function, but that's really, really uh, exciting and a very necessary part of what you guys need to be successful. So yeah, why go anywhere? There, it doesn't make sense. And we're, we're there and it, it doesn't have any, like token price does not matter to us there. Like it, does, it just doesn't matter in general. Like the, you know, it's the text there, the, the user base grows. If it's the right solution, technically everything else takes care of itself in that way. And I think that's been our attitude since day one. And otherwise we would have thought differently about how we lock up our tokens or our economics and things like that. And we've been been really committed to trying to build something impactful and sustainable for the long term. And it's um, you know, it, it's it's painful at times because you you go through big bull markets and you see you see people that are you know, building some interesting stuff, but then sometimes a lot of vapor that, uh, you know, somehow get captures mind sharing community because number go up and, uh, mm. and those guys, you know, basically cash out on their, <laughs> on their community, which is not a, I don't think a good way to be doing business for the long term. And so we just are really committed. And, um, I hate saying in it for the tech, but we, you know, again, like back to that keynote that I gave and back to the basis of everything that we're dealing with now, like I'd like to, I'd like my legacy to be more tied to the fact that we were at the very early or pioneering stages of finding a solution to bring things that for centuries have existed in a opaque black box and bring them out. So there is a good level of public accountability without the need for a you know, a central party to decide what is and what is invalid. Yeah. If, if that vision, you know, if that vision was currently truth, a, a lot of pain would have been avoided uh, over the course of the past few weeks. That's for sure. And I think it's a beautiful vision and, and you're doing it. I mean, you've got a rabid community. You've got a great team of really smart developers and businessmen alike. And I mean, you, you guys are doing it. So you're here. We're going to be here. We're going to survive this thing. And we'll say 
five years down the line, when the next bull market comes or whatever, we were here, we were talking about how we're going to, you know, continue to thrive no matter what. And, and it will again, I mean, you guys, you guys obviously know the resilience of the space and even if, you know, it, it is again, just, it's just a wake up call, like get back to yeah. you know, early principles and think about how to move forward. And this, this was a setback and uh, a lesson for many and, you know, uh, including ourselves and we just, you just get back to grinding and uh, I think eventually it, you've, you live in the new, in your new norm and mm-hmm. move forward and new opportunities start popping up and people start coming back out of the woodworks again. And it's just takes time, <laughs> just takes time. Like everything, just li- little, you know, like you said, a little kick in the nuts and uh, yeah, never, it, well, I, I, I don't know anything sick, in the world man. that doesn't have it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was just saying, you know, that this was sick and, and you have such a domain of and a wealth of knowledge that we want to dive into, but we're running out of time. We want to bring you back on to talk trading strategies, to talk all sorts of different ideas. Um, but for now, let's close things out with just one last question. You know, this is Crypto 101. A lot of new people in the audience uh, watching the show. What's just one quick word of advice? Uh, we, we've obviously dropped a lot of stuff on their head today. Um, but what's one way you'd like to close things out for a new person entering the space during maybe a, a very crazy time? Yeah. Um, well, I, I will say, and again, not not giving investment advice. I think historically, this you know this market is hyper cyclical and very reflexive, meaning that like lower prices tend to you get lower prices, and higher prices tend to bring in more volume and more people, and number you know numbers go up. I would I would spend some time educating yourself on, you know, take a DeFi first approach now and go to the basics first and don't just make it about the chart. Like make it, I think we are really at a period where a lot of these primitives are are becoming more and more meaningful. And I, you know, even going outside of the Solana ecosystem, like into like things like Uniswap and I mean, you know, I, I don't know about their token economics necessarily, but something like that has become a real, you know, it's become a real primitive in in just the scope of crypto as a whole. And it is, it's like having the, your exposure to the blue chips. And um, I think it's still early enough and it's a nascent enough industry that starting there and, and educating, you're just educate yourself, understand what is happening and what is the difference between DeFi and CeFi. I think that's a big issue that like FTX in my mind is not crypto. Right. You know, Coinbase is not crypto. They're they're ex- centralized exchanges. And you know, I can't speak one way or the other if, you know about Coinbase. Like it's obviously been here a long time and um they're historically are great on ramps. But when you get into the ecosystem like really focus on educating yourself. I think there's no time like the present to really educate yourself on what DeFi is and what the principles of it are and what tools have been created in the space to propel it forward and and how it fits into, you know, what the next five, seven, 10, 15 years look like and take a long-term approach to it. Find things to get involved. And then the last thing I'll say is, when you get involved in these in these projects, like get into their communities 
and become a part of it. Like I have this kind of community capitalism thought around it where, you know, you, you should, if you are participating in a community, you should figure out the ways that you can provide value to the community in a way that provides value to yourself and to the entirety of the ecosystem. And that may be in a, you know, in a derivatives, uh, in a derivatives protocol, it may be being a trader. It may, if you're an engineer, it might be committing, you know, committing engineering resources to the project. If you're just somebody that is like, uh, you know, more of a passive participant, like get involved in their discord channels and like help, help advocate for it, educate yourself on it. And I think when you really can capture that, like, it allows you to be a part of something that's bigger than you. And crypto offers that it's, it's open. It's not like you have to go get a job at the foundation, just become a part of the community. And like, I think that is kind of the few, it's definitely one lane of like how people will make a living in the future. And, um, and also it allows you, there's a good human need of being a part of something larger than you. And you educate yourself, become very knowledgeable on what it is that you're putting your, your funds into uh, and you maintain control of that and like that's something that's very powerful that I think this space offers that you really can't find anywhere else. I truly could not have said it better myself and uh, that might have been one of the best answers we've had on the show for that particular question. I think that was uh, right on the money. So Gunny, thanks for coming on and we look forward to having you back on to talk talk more here in the, in the near future hope you have a happy holiday yeah same to you anytime guys this was uh, this was wonderful thanks a lot without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.